Hello there, and welcome to Sweet Shot of Time. I'm your host, Steve Barnes, and we are still doing Dark. We are up to episode four at this point. I'm not here by myself. Episode four is called Double Lives, and I've got my double right with me here. She's from one of my stories. She's Lindsay Dunn. Ahoy there, Lindsay. Ahoy, Steve. And I, I won't mind too much that you said we're still doing Dark, because... Man, we've got a long way to go, Steve. <laughs> I don't know how often you want to say we're still doing dark. I'll do it every time because we're still doing it. I mean, you know, it's just a perpetuation of things. It's, it's not like a, a exclamation like, I can't believe we're doing this. It's like a mm-hmm. absolutely listener. This is where we are. So you're on board, too. <laughs> but yeah, I, I was thinking it was 24 episodes of dark because I was thinking eight episodes a season. But it's actually 10 episodes a season. So we got 30 episodes we'll be doing. Mm-hmm. So, Too yeah. bad they didn't make 33. Why didn't they? That would have been... <laughs> now that you mention it, why did they not? That would have been the perfect thing. They could just make 11 episodes per season instead. Mm, I don't know. Missed opportunity. I don't know, but um, we're going to get on with our recap for number four. Uh, before we do, you got anything, got anything going on this week, Lindsay? Last week I saw Bram Stoker's Dracula, and I was really loving seeing it again and so i think i'm gonna make a video review of that movie maybe after this recording who knows we'll see how much energy i have left um but guardians of the galaxy number three is coming out and i'll be Mm -hmm. reviewing that but other than that just same old same old watching stuff writing about stuff i'll be looking forward to the the bram stoker dracula review i like that movie a lot and like the cast is amazing like every Mm -hmm. single person in that cast has like this is the one with Winona Rowe, yeah, Keanu, Winona Ryder. Gary Oldman. And, yeah, Gary Oldman, of course, and a bunch of actually also really, really well acted, <laughs> that one as well. Yeah. But it had, been since, it had been since it came out in the theater that I had seen it, so 1992, a long time, so, yeah. Maybe it's been that long since I've seen it, too, as a matter of fact. No, I had to have seen it on DVD, like, sometime in the 2000s. I'm sure I rented it at some point at Blockbuster again but i saw it in theaters when it first came out too and blown away but we're not reviewing that right now we're recapping episode four and my first thought about this i watched this in both german and english i've told you this before Mm -hmm. and as usual watching it in german it's fine watching it in english it honestly became a spellish a spanish melodrama this week um, with the slapping and like the yelling and like the, oh, no. if you watch it with the English subtitles, they, they just don't do the characters any justice in this episode mm-hmm. in particular. So <laughs> it didn't work out. Yeah. So, but are you and Heather going to keep on keeping on with that anyway? Well, that's the way Heather prefers to watch it. So that's just what yeah. we do. I watch it. Um, my whole habit is I watch it just straight up in German. I don't even look at your recaps the first time I've gotten this mm-hmm. rhythm now where I just watch it and I really enjoy that. And then as soon as I finish watching it, I pull out your recaps, I look at your recap and then I make some notes in the margin, just my first initial thoughts. And then when me and Heather watch it again in English, I just watch it again as well. Mm. Don't take any notes, but then I usually watch it a third time and that's when I'm watching, taking notes while I'm watching it. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm kind of getting it all kinds of different ways but yeah Heather's loving it um she thought it was goofy because it was in English but we had we had a good laugh at it and um there's so much double stuff in this episode lots of colors and lots of doubles and Mm -hmm. we'll be pointing those out along the way 
Yeah. I'm glad you pointed that out, Steve, because I actually have a really... I actually am ready to lay down a theory. And the reason I want to do it is because it may not be right, but I want to lay something down, you know. Okay. But we'll maybe they do that at the very end of the episode. Okay. And um, But yeah, colors, colors, colors. I'm going to keep talking about colors. I was noticing them like crazy. I'm like watching really hard now. Like after the last episode, I'm like, <laughs> my eyes hurt from like watching so hard. <laughs> but yeah, I'll let you start if you don't mind, if you want to lead us into the episode. All right. So our episode begins with a voiceover narration, of course, as mm-hmm. usual. And I heard a really neat theory about these voiceovers, Steve, that I wanted to throw out on a, actually on a different podcast, because I was like, okay. hey, I'm going to listen to another person's recap just to hear what they had to say. <laughs> and their theory about these voiceovers, I actually not considered, but I think is really smart, is that these are excerpts from A Journey Through Time. That makes total sense, especially like with the things that they're saying. That sounds... Concrete. So they're sort of doling out yeah. what's in the book a piece at a time. And so I thought, hey, I really like that read on it. Mm-hmm. So I just thought I would throw that out there that as, you know, as I've been watch was watching it before, I just thought, oh, these are things they want us to know. Right. And sometimes I've told you the voiceover kind of <laughs> like in the first episode that it sort of annoyed me. Like, <laughs> why are we throwing in this commentary on stuff we haven't even seen or anything? But knowing that this came from the book, possibly came from the book, is appealing to me because I was like, okay, they're dropping clues already from the very beginning of a book we haven't even heard about in the in the plot yet. So I thought that was a great idea or theory. Is that H.G. Tannenbaum's um, voice that we're hearing? Is that his name? Tanhouse, yes. Tanhouse, I'm sorry. Is that the his Royal voice Tannenbaum. that we're hearing like when we when we hear the voiceover? That's okay. So that's an interesting question as well. I I think if that's the theory that that is correct. However, I actually thought it was a different character we haven't met yet. Okay. Um, but it sounded to me like this other character. But yeah, I'll buy it though. I mean, that's if it's his book <laughs> that he, unless it's another character who book that's narrating. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I obviously don't know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So the voiceover narration is about black holes being the hell mouths of the universe. They act as vacuums in which people disappear. But where do they go? What lies behind a black hole? Along with things, do space and time also vanish there? Or would space and time be tied together and be part of an endless cycle? What if everything that came from the past were influenced by the future? And while this narration is happening, we're getting random images cycled through a second at a time. There's the blue wallpaper room, Mm -hmm. a pine cone figurine on a desk, an artistic rendering of the emerald tablet on a wall, that same picture we saw in Ulrich's album that mm-hmm. I didn't realize was coming up again so quickly. Yeah, <laughs> so I didn't perfect. either. The tattoo. Yeah, the tattoo. Uh, another pine cone. Somebody's making the pine cone. A boy with burned and blackened eyes. I'm not sure if that's the same boy or a different boy. And a triketa, triketra symbol with the word Sigmundus Creatus Est. And it's just 
those words, these pictures, there's nothing else to it. And then we cut to the opening credits. So how did you feel about this cold open there, Steve? It was indeed cold. <laughs> it didn't really give us any like character action. Um, mm-hmm. Gave us plenty to think about. Um, I, I like those heavy handed, you know, talking points that they give us. Um, I mean, I think it speaks for itself. I'm not going to try to delve into that any more than it already is. Um, you know, black holes and hell mouths and whatnot. But um, I did, I was interested by the pine cones. So I looked mm-hmm. up, you know, what pine cones symbolize. And the top three things I got were resurrection, eternal life, and enlightenment. So I think those pine cones were placed there, you know, with, it, with a purpose to, to remind us of all this. Mm-hmm. Okay. Where did you, where did you come up with those? I never thought about the pine Wikipedia. cone having, okay, <laughs> good old Wikipedia. Yep. I never thought about the pine cone possibly having a symbolism outside of, you know, that's obviously a little, it's a thing that's being made into figurines for mm-hmm. the purposes of possibly um, kidnapping children, you know, ooh, look at this little figurine <laughs> on the ground. Although, would a, would a child of 2019 be excited about a pinecone figurine? Maybe. Maybe. Maybe, yeah. I, I know you said in 1999 you thought that um, you thought that Elliot had some really weird-ass toys, so I don't know. Yeah, those maybe. old-fashioned toys, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of an ad- old-fashioned toy, making a little figurine out of a pinecone person. It yeah, is. I'm kind of the same. It was. It's a weird opening. I found... I think I found I find the images more compelling than um, find the images more compelling necessarily than the words. Um, yes, yeah, I thought. Yeah, I thought that you mentioned your process, so I thought I would mention that the first time I watched the show, I always watch it on my couch, and the TV is in a regular spot. But mm-hmm. usually, the second time when I'm doing my making checking my notes and like what would what would probably be your third time I watch it at my desk so that the monitor is right there in my face and I can see the things better okay and that I remember watching it and seeing you know I don't remember seeing the pinecone figurines before for instance right. or that you just see the details a lot better so that it's definitely a good way to watch it if you're wanting to really pick up on everything yeah, pine cones, the, the only reason that caught my eye and I even thought about it was um, because of, you know, I work out in rural areas a lot. And, um, and some of the rural areas are actually very um, highfalutin areas because they're along the water and they're away from everything else. So people build like million dollar homes along there. <clears throat> a real common thing for people to have in their themes is um, pine cones and pineapples. And I know that pineapples represent, you know, you know, family and fortune and welcoming visitors. So I figured that I've seen pine cones as like a thing in the northern neck of Virginia. So that's that's why I thought to look it up because I was like, oh, it's got to mean something if it's in a Bo and Jaunty <laughs> yeah. show. It's got to have some kind of hidden meaning. And sure enough, Wikipedia, like that was like one of the very first things it said is that it, that's what it represents. Now, I have linked into those into the recap a link to more information about the Emerald Tablet and the Seven Hermetic Principles because the Emerald Tablet oh, yes. is basically a visual representation of Hermeticism, which is can be very difficult to explain. And it might be a topic 
we save for an, a future episode. Who yeah. knows? But or a special, a bonus episode if we want to delve into that. But those are linked into the show notes. If you um, in the recap, if you want to know more about the Emerald Tablet or the Seven Hermetic Principles, I have linked those in. Definitely recommend you click on those. I learned a lot just reading these two simple articles. So, yeah, and same here. Like, um. If you want to hear about the seven hermetic principles, just go back to Sweet Child of Time. I believe we um, we had, I don't believe, I know, we had uh, Jeff Saavedra on, and he's from the band Titanosaur, and we talked in detail about the seven hermetic um, principles in the episode with him. Um, because James, okay. you know, claiming Satanism, uh, he, you know, likes to, that's what he claimed as a kid. I don't know if he still practices Satanism or not as an adult. But as a kid, he was an edgelord, and that's, that's, he admits that's what he gravitated towards. So um, I threw the seven hermetic principles at him to you know, kind of test his faith. <laughs> it was well, a fun episode. Well, that's, I didn't realize that. That's great. Cause you, so you're already familiar anyway. And um, I'm, the one, I'm the sweet child when it comes to hermeticism. <laughs> um, I looked at some of the some of the the principles and they're interesting i didn't realize it was so i know it's linked to the occult i didn't realize it was linked linked to satanism at all um but if you really want to milk the cow out of the show go ahead and read up on those seven principles either using the links in the recap or you can go and listen to steve's episode and maybe he'll <laughs> link it into the show notes so that you can uh that that particular episode if you're interested too Okay, so the now that we have the opening out, the screen opens to a hallway in the house, and we're back in 2019, after we were in 1986, the entire last episode. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, Francisca walks into the hall, calling for her sister Elizabeth about a missing tube of red lipstick. Oh, my God! <laughs> oh. <laughs> The red lipstick is already back, Steve. <laughs> um, so then Peter and Charlotte come directly after that. They come out of separate bedrooms, we notice. Right. <laughs> we knew their marriage was a little, maybe not doing so well. And here's just further confirmation of that. I thought, they were, I thought they were going to shake hands when they when they faced each other in the hallway there. That's what I was expecting was a firm handshake. Shake some hands and give some hugs. Um, so that's, what they, they say, that's what they always say at church. Sorry. Uh, oh, that's true. So, yeah, yeah. So Francisca. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Peter is going to visit Helg in the nursing home right. while Charlotte is going to drive Elizabeth to school. Because everybody's worried about their kids getting kidnapped. I mean, that's pretty smart. Yeah. Elizabeth realizes the reason why, too. Because of Mickle. Okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, so this is the first time we're meeting Elizabeth. We did, I think we saw the Doppler family photo at one point. Yes. Of their family of four. But this is the first time we're meeting her as a character in person. Mm -hmm. And I got to tell you, Steve, I'm a big fan of... of Elizabeth. I think she's very intriguing. I love how also they wrote her on the show as like a deaf character who is super sassy. I know. I love the way she signs. She signs yeah. with sass. Mm -hmm. <laughs> is she actually deaf? And Francisca. Deaf? 
And Francisca, like, signs, you know, she doesn't treat her sister real kindly or anything like that. They're no. typical sisters. No, I like that, too. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Um, she signs with her sister, um, so she, and she, we know that she loves her sister, but her sister also drives her nuts, and so she treats her like a little sister. And I wrote down here, um, it's a quote that I heard from, I don't even know where I heard it from, um, so that, that doesn't matter. If you want to see how a person truly is, observe how they treat animals and small children. <laughs> So I'm observing how Francisca is treating her little sister Elizabeth here. And it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's a little borderline there, a little borderline. Um, yeah. So they have this quarrel and, and Elizabeth is annoyed that she's being driven to school. And, yep. and I wrote in the notes about this unique piece of artwork that, I sent Steve earlier in mm-hmm. the hallway that sort of grabbed my attention and it looks like two triangles on a scale and there are these discernible faces plus a sunflower and they're all contained in one body on a set of legs. And the first thought I had about this, Steve, is that it was a child's drawing, yes. that it might be a piece, a child's drawing and I don't know who it was, whether it was Francisca when she was younger or Elizabeth. Right. And then later I thought, well, maybe this is some kind of fine artwork that right. I that I don't know what the name of it is. And now at this point, I'm like, well, what does this artwork mean, of course, because that <laughs> yes. is the nature of the show and that is the nature of the podcast we're trying to do. So what did you know, you said you got a theory from somebody. I'd love to know what it is. Okay, sure. Well, I'll, I'll read what this person wrote to me on, um, on Reddit. I'll give them some credit here. User TD Siago. And they said, um, well, first they guessed. I just basically asked, does anybody know what this painting is? And they guessed, mm-hmm. you know, no, I don't know. <laughs> but they said, um, but it may be a representation of the Doppler family household. Two children in a house at the very center with a man and a woman depicted on either side. And then they said in, qu- in parentheses, um, I know it's a man and a woman because if you look at the feet, one is wearing high heels, one, is, one foot is wearing a high heel, one foot is wearing a shoe. Since Peter and Charlotte are apparently sleeping in separate rooms across the hall from each other, the artwork may be illustrating that for us. Hmm. So I, that person made me look at the picture better because I did not notice the feet that it's a male foot and a female foot. So I assume that's a male and a female, those larger figures inside of the bigger figure. I'm guessing that this is a picture that um, Elizabeth drew. If it's not a great piece of artwork, which we know it's not through reverse Google, um, I'm kind of, I mean, I'm gullible, so I'm believing this person on Reddit because it Mm -hmm. makes sense to me. You have like a big head, which, you know, could be like Elizabeth's head. And then you have inside that big person's head, like two smaller people, you know, representing the mom and dad, and then the two smaller children inside the house. Mm-hmm. And those two people on the either side are, of course, separated with the kids in the house between them. So mm-hmm. it's like there's a gulf between those two people. Right. That's, that's all 
you, there's a there's like it reminds me of this kind of artwork that you, if you look at it you start to see different things yes like on the one hand there's the two discernible legs but there's almost like like you said another set of legs plus a set of legs almost on the outside so it, it almost looked like one of these pictures where you see what you want to see <laughs> that there are many different readings of it which is how the show is um also but yeah i didn't come away with any solid theories but i did think it was a very captivating piece of artwork and mm -hmm. knowing that everything means something too i was just like huh are those scales it looked to me like they were scales on the outside the triangles that you're saying are the men and the women so i need i obviously need to go back and look at it myself again but yeah very yeah, it, looked, it looks like you could see one, two, three, four, five, six. You could see seven um, heads mm -hmm. or seven faces or seven representations of faces in this picture. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it's yeah. it's up, open to interpretation. So we're both correct. Yeah. And then the episode, um, there's the episode is titled Double Lives. Right. And it's like they could be two different versions of the same thing and mirroring and all that kind of stuff. So. Yep. My last point about this scene, though, before we go on is, mm. okay, you say you like Elizabeth, huh? Think Elizabeth's cool, huh? What about the stuff she was saying about Mickle, huh? What do you think about that? She's like, I don't care if Mickle's dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's great. We love Mickle. But I think at the same time, this is sometimes how kids are. Yes. When something bad happens, they'll say really inappropriate things that are shocking. And part of it is their brain truly is not able to process what's really going on. And they're just thinking about how it's affecting them. Yes. Elizabeth is like, I don't want my mom to take me to school. I want to go by myself. I want to be independent. Right. And because dumb old Mickle got himself, <laughs> whatever, kidnapped, now I'm being punished. And now I don't get to go hang out with my boyfriend alone before school. You know, so I think her reaction was very realistic. And it again, was. I just, yeah, I, I know you're just kind of teasing. But I, I it did like, I do like how they're writing they write these kids you know especially elizabeth yep. and she's just a well made a well crafted character yeah fantastic actress who's playing her too and mm. i mean i can appreciate her perspective of mickle too because i'm looking at who i know of her as a character now you know obviously she's quiet because she's deaf but you know she's also like got a lot going on in her mind even though she's quiet, she's constantly thinking. And then there's this kid, Nickel, that she probably interacts with every now and then. And he's a magician and he dresses funny for school. And he's like, look at me, I can do all these mm -hmm. tricks. And so, yeah, of course he's annoying to her because he's getting mm -hmm. all this attention. And she's like sitting there like, I can do all that stuff too. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned the same, you mentioned like, Francisca and Magnus have to see each other at the same boring office party. So maybe Elizabeth and right. Nick will do that too, because I feel like mm -hmm. maybe Elizabeth goes to a school for the deaf. Maybe, maybe not, Seemed but like I felt it. like it was maybe just a school for the deaf and not a general school. So I'm not sure her and Mickle would go to school together, but that's, that's kind of beside the point, but they know each other. She obviously knows Mickle somehow and it's a small town. 
if it's a small town, I'm I'm pretty sure they probably go to the same school and like there's the deaf all the kids that are deaf or have disabilities are probably in the same class and hang out mm. in the same friend group and that's why she's hanging out with um what's his name Yasmin and the other kid anyway we're yeah. not there yet <laughs> <laughs> also just this sweater that Francisca's wearing is pretty interesting with the black bird on the front I don't have any interpretation or big symbol about it but in this episode she's wearing this sweater with a black bird and then red hearts it looks almost like an 80s sweater but yeah it's 2019 hmm I- yeah I, I didn't watch hard enough. I did not know. You'll look, you'll look it up Damn later, it. Steve. Why didn't I notice the sweater? <laughs> um, you're telling me a black bird. It makes me think of maybe it's like a crow. And like, um, you know, crows like their shiny things. They like their treasures. So mm. maybe she was attracted to that shiny box with the treasure inside. That makes total sense. <laughs> oh, I, when you said trinkets, I thought you were going to, in treasures, I thought you were going to be like the red lipstick is her trinket and treasure. Which that I'll too. Think. I mean, she she wants that lipstick bad. She's a little squirrel. (laughs) Um, Francisca's a squirrel. All right, so we're going to move on, I think, probably for time's sake. (laughs) Back at the Conwell house, Jonas is looking at those maps of the Winding Caves and sets out to explore. He comes down the stairs, and Hannah's at the table, kitchen table, smoking and looking really sad Mm -hmm. at the cell phone that is not going off anymore with Ulrich's. (laughs) <laughs> machismo texts about wanting to see her <laughs> and she perks up when she sees Jonas and mm-hmm. asks him where he's going and she thinks maybe he should take the day off of school to spend some time with her and Jonas looks really uncomfortable and is yeah. basically like mom no I'm going to school and etc cetera, etc cetera. I'm actually going to explore <laughs> the, when, the caves without you and I don't want you to know Right. So. I, I felt really bad for Hannah. It's obvious that she's very lonely mm. and she needs some sort of, you know, connection with anything at this point, you know. So all she's connecting with now is just her cigarettes and her wine. And it's, you know, not good. She's wearing a red shirt. I noticed the red shirt. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yes. You, you did notice the red shirt. So what I was, so what, what I did with that red shirt. And I know it's a little out of control, but I was like, has, is this the first time she wore red? Um, hmm. Because in episode one, so I went back and I checked. She, Steve. she was wearing a red jacket when she was a kid, right? Editor's note right here. Yes, she was wearing a red or maybe it's a faint orange slight jacket in 1986. I went back and looked. Yes, it's kind of reddish. Okay. I didn't really, I don't know if I noticed that she's wearing a red jacket. I noticed she's wearing, the first thing she puts on is the dark dark brown or dark blue bathrobe. Then she has a blue coat with sort of a pinkish scarf. It's not red. It's like a pink color. Okay. And she wears the blue coat um, off and on. Then in episode two, she has this mauve shirt. And then in episode three, she's wearing blue and yellow plaid. When she's in 1986, and then episode four, she's wearing a red shirt. She's all over the map here, man. mm, What's going on? (laughs) But but I mean, like, all these colors are basically, besides the blue and the yellow, the other colors are very, like, dark and neutral. Mm -hmm. So they go with the show. 
and the same thing is like Katarina. She's always wearing neutral colors. Uh, Charlotte, she's always wearing neutral colors, but she's wearing that red shirt. And so my current theory, one of the current theories I have about red is that it's like the inklings of passion or desire, or anger. Um, mm -hmm. When we saw her like massaging Alexander, she did have like a red bra on underneath. So it was like straps peeking through. But this okay. is like red shirt, you know, so um, she's now a scorned woman. OK, yeah, that kind of makes sense. I mean, yeah, she's definitely I mean, she's reaching out. She's definitely mm -hmm. trying something here. Yeah, I buy that. Yeah. But any thoughts about Jonas and him going to explore the caves? I didn't really have any particular notes at this point. Um, I have mm -hmm. more notes for him later, but not right now. Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> that's good, because I'm like, Jonas doesn't do much this episode. <laughs> so if you have some notes, that's cool. Okay. So Peter goes to visit Helg at the nursing home, and Helg has some new phrases that he's going to say on repeat now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And those are TikTok, and I have to tell him it has to stop. Right. Helg stops the obsessive talking when he notices how sad Peter looks. Mm -hmm. And he says, don't be sad. And it was a really sweet moment because Helg's been sort of in his own headspace and obsessive. And seeing, connecting with his son sort of temporarily seems to snap him out of that fugue state. Yeah. And he reaches out to him and it was it was nice because you get the feeling that maybe Peter doesn't have a lot of people to talk to. I absolutely get that feeling. And I think he goes to I mean he takes care of his dad because it's his dad, but I think he's you know looking for another connection there too. Cuz you know he doesn't have much. All we've seen of him so far is just him being upset in his car by himself or he's mm -hmm. with his dad just kind of looking disheveled and yeah I'm glad his dad said don't be sad here is a nice change of pace mm -hmm. I didn't have any other notes for this I was um I wrote down in my notes um who is him but by the end of this episode they tell us who him is so we don't have yeah. to worry about that anymore <laughs> mm -hmm. Charlotte and Elizabeth drive towards Elizabeth's school and Charlotte makes an unexpected stop mm -hmm. at this box that reads wildlife observation she removes a camera from the box and takes the data disc out of the camera and elizabeth calls her right out i love it <laughs> <laughs> this is what made go me ahead, like elizabeth Steve. this scene yeah, yeah she's go ahead. so indignant and like just full of like you know um I don't know, justice. Like, she's like, I can't believe you did that. And, you know, you're just because you're a cop, you can't steal him. I mean, Charlotte is 100% right in this situation. That is great evidence to have, a great place to find evidence. And I'm sure that agency would be fine with her, you know, borrowing that information. I don't think this is stealing either. It is confiscating. But, yeah, mm -hmm. the the way she signed, the way this girl signs is... um. I don't know. It, it puts you on edge and it, it makes you sit up and notice her. Um, she's She's got a lot of spunk to her. I like her a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she doesn't really miss anything. She sees everything people are doing. She notices everything. She's going to call you out on it right away. And um, 
Yeah, I, I was I was saying she almost their relationship is very strange. Her relationship with her mother, because there's she's almost acting like her mother's parent. I could see that. Yeah, the way that she's scolding sort of her, reprimanding her. Yeah, <laughs> yes. for doing that. And then she gives her a kiss on the forehead. <laughs> that was weird. That yeah, was like a grandma that is kiss. what parents do yeah. to their kids, or or grandmothers, or aunts and uncles. Actually, I don't think I've, I don't often. I might kiss my nephew on the on the forehead every once in a while, but it's a very it's. I've I actually heard somebody say once that a kiss on the forehead is almost more intimate than <clears throat> a kiss on the lips. Like there mm-hmm. aren't that many people you would give a kiss on the forehead. So it was. Hmm, A pretty powerful visual of her pulling her mother's face down and then she gives her a kiss on the forehead, almost like, okay, go off to work now, honey. Yeah, (laughs) you're right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I guess I wanted to say, too, before we go any more, because I know we got more we're going into here, but I'm backing up. Mm. When um, Charlotte is, like, gathering the thing out of the... uh, you know what I'm saying? The wildlife observation. Yeah, Elizabeth is camera. stuck in the yeah. Elizabeth stuck in the car, and she's listening to the radio. When the radio was talking about how the power grid is having problems, and they're having power cuts every night, and they're saying mm, something about yeah. how the past couple nights that there's been like power flickers happening. So that yeah. kind of like confirms our theory that it happened on the fourth and then the fifth back in 1986, perhaps. Yeah. Yep, so we are in line with the uh, the whole show, Steve. We were right. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah, you um you you talk about the kiss and her sending her off, but mm. you didn't mention the little conversation they had beforehand. They were talking about um about boy her stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Elizabeth has a boyfriend named Yasin. He seems nice. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Charlotte is sort of taken aback, but she doesn't get too nosy about it. She doesn't ask her a lot of questions. She just goes, all right, well then, you better go, you know? Yeah, there was, there was, their interaction is really adorable. I thought so too, absolutely. I liked how, um, <laughs> I keep wanting to call her Charlotte because she's younger, but that's Elizabeth who we're talking mm-hmm. about when she says that they're dating. And that's what took Charlotte aback. <laughs> she's like, what do you mean dating? Have y'all gone out? Yeah. <laughs> that's just what we call it, Mom. Um, I don't know how old she's supposed to be. Like, eight. They said she's eight. Okay. Um, yeah, we didn't. I mean, my sister, my older sister was much more of a boy crazy girl than I was. I think she mm-hmm. claimed she had a boyfriend when she was like four or something. But. I, we didn't have, I didn't have boyfriends when I was young. It was like boys sometimes chased you on the parking lot and that would be about it <laughs> okay. on the playground. So, I mean, I, yeah, had, I, had, a, was, I had a kindergarten girlfriend. Absolutely. Of course you did, Steve. <laughs> but the funny thing is I had a kindergarten girlfriend who later we, we met, we like moved away, but then we, we reconciled again in high school when we were freshmen in high school. We mm-hmm. like rekindled that flame, you might say. Not really, but we were like, hey, Rachel. Hey, Steve. Um, but yeah, I, I had a, a good girlfriend in kindergarten and then went through a long spell up until probably past high school until I had another girlfriend again. So it was it was not a common thing. It just, me and Rachel just hit it off in kindergarten. That's all there was to it. Mm. Yeah. I have one more note. Okay. 
which is that Elizabeth has an honor code. We can see this honor code that she has coming out here, coming out strong. But then she's not 100% honorable in this episode towards the end there. I thought that was very interesting how she was um, so accusatory towards Charlotte about stealing that Mm. thing when that red lipstick. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like a little hypocrite. (laughs) What do you, can you say more about what you mean by an honor code? Well, she's taken aback that her mom has stolen something, that her mom has stopped in the middle of the street and stolen something. And that's like, and then when her sister was accusing her of stealing, she's like, no way, uh-uh, I don't do stuff like that. And of course she does. Yeah. Well, I didn't, yeah, I didn't read it that she's surprised that her mother's taking it. I read it as Elizabeth is, we see that she doesn't like, she wants to be independent, so I feel like she's just the type to argue, you know, like she's just going <laughs> to okay. point out, like no matter what her mom did, you know, if she stopped okay. at a at Dairy Queen for a drive through, she'd be like, are you stopping at a drive through? You should be taking me to school. You know, she's just going to give her mom a hard time about anything. I feel about like. That. Yeah. OK. <laughs> Especially since she complained about Mickle. Who would have anything to complain about with Mickle? <laughs> Honestly, we don't get to see Mickle do much of anything uh, except for disobey his mother and get and get smacked around a lot. So who knows? Maybe he is a little (laughs) shenanigans guy. (laughs) Um, um, Well, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, we're at break time if um, if we're done with this scene, are we? Yep. Alrighty. Break time, people. We'll be right back. Hello, we're back with myself and Lindsay. And Lindsay, you said you had a surprise for me and for the listeners. What do you got? What do you got going on behind there? I have a quiz. A quiz. I love quizzes. Thank you. I tried to give you a quiz last week and it failed. <laughs> Let's see how your quiz does with me. <laughs> yeah. So I wrote this quiz myself and I made it on purpose in because I think it will set Steve up for success because I have put questions in this quiz that came out of our discussion and also that I feel like will be useful things to remember. So I just want to reiterate these things and uh, seal them in your brain, let's say, for the course of our podcast together. Great. So this quiz actually has to do with the subject matter at hand, unlike my quiz I gave you, which was just... (laughs) Whatever. <laughs> okay, <Yeah>. good deal. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the way I, I said it, Steve, but uh, nope. yeah. <laughs> All right, so are you ready? I am ready. Okay, so in episode one, we noticed that both Hannah and Inez have a copy of a Conwald family photo. Right. What was the really weird thing we noticed about these two photos? Um, in Inez's version, nobody was smiling. And and Hannah's version, everybody was smiling except for Michael. No, Michael wasn't smiling in any of them. Yeah, did I get that right, basically? Yeah, I wasn't going to say which one was which. I was just saying they were different because, you know, one person, was, or one person wasn't smiling and then every nobody was, or everybody was smiling. Yeah, anyway, one person was not <laughs> smiling and then the other one, everybody smiling. It was different smiles. Was 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 good enough. What I'm hearing is I got it right. Steve, Yay! You got one. Woo. Yeah. 
So Jonas calls for Hannah to tell her the milk has gone bad、mm-hmm. when she is in bed with Ulrich. Hannah tells Ulrich by the time by this time you think kids should know how to make what breakfast item instead? Toast. Yes, Steve.、Yay. Two for two. All right. <laughs> And he's right. <laughs> Ulrich, that is. He's right. <laughs> All right, this one might be a little tricky, but I think it's a good fact to remember. What year was the Winden power plant constructed? If you can't remember the specific year, I will take a decade. Okay,、um, I know it was the '60s, correct?、Mm-hmm. I'm thinking. I really want to say '64. Am I wrong? <laughs> it's 1960. Okay. All right. All but, right. But all right. you got the right decade, so good job. Good job, Steve. 1960. I came within a ten park window, ten year window. All right. Good deal. <laughs> <laughs> all right. What color are the two cups that are part of Mickle's magic trick? Yellow. Right. Well, eat, there's two cups. They're different colors. Oh man, God. <laughs> I remember. I don't even remember what. I don't remember even seeing them. I just remember you saying that the cups were yellow. <laughs> so I obviously、that's, don't know. That's so funny because you have you used that picture as like the lead picture in one of your recaps. I think of course the first I did. One. <laughs> one cup is yellow and one cup is blue. Okay, interesting. One cup、mm-hmm. for Hannah's bathrobe. One cup for Jonah's、um, raincoat. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Okay, so what type of shoes are found on the body that Charlotte and Ulrich find? Oh,、um, Air Jordans. Mm-hmm. Good job. Good job. Good job. In 2019, who arrived in Winden 33 years ago? Um, the power plant dude. Um, his last name is Tideman. Uh, I don't know his first name, but he sucks. Alexander Tideman. There you Yay, go. Yay, <laughs> Steve! Look at you. All right. What clothing item does Magnus really want on his first day of school? Oh, the black hoodie.、Mm-hmm. We talked about the black hoodie a lot, so that's kind of an unfair、yeah. question for me. <laughs> What two animals have been autopsied so far on the show? Oh, I know the bird because we just saw the bird this episode, so that's fresh、mm-hmm. in my mind. And then, yeah, it was the sheep, a sheep. Yay! Okay,、right. just got a couple more. Okay. What does Bartosz find in the bag of dope? Besides、um, dope, <laughs> he finds dope, and then the phone. He finds the phone, and he tries、yes. to do the thing with、yes. the phone. Cell phone. Why does Mikkel need to have his arm bandaged? Mikkel's arm bandaged. Um. Let's see. His arm was fine. In 2019, wasn't it? Yep. Yes, it was fine. I mean, I guess like a cave thing. I don't remember. Hang on a second. <laughs> hey, stop everything! <laughs> stop the <laughs> podcast. I need to think. No, I really, I, I don't remember this one. I'm, I'm guessing just a, a, a cave snafu. What happened? Yana pulls on his arm, and she keeps pulling on it and pulling on it. Wait, who's Yana? His grandma. What when he goes when he goes to old, you know when he goes to his house but it's now oh, oh. Y- Yana and Trant's house right he busts in there and she's doing the thing I don't remember him having to have his hand bandaged for that really 
Yeah, he's he has to have his arm bandaged up. That's what the doctor says. <laughs> Jeez, she yanked him that hard, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh. and you you can kind of see it in the episode. She grabbed his arm, and he was trying to get away, and she was pulling on him. Okay. And so she ends up, like, basically dislocating his shoulder or something. I mean, she's like... Just slightly. It's not a full, like, you know, popping out of the socket or anything, but... Yeah, but still, Grandma, yeah. come on now. She hurts him bad. <laughs> All right, this is the... This is sort of like a bonus question. I'll okay. be really impressed if you can do this one, Steve. Okay. All right. So, define, as best you can, autoconia. That is the, the little things inside your ears that help you tell if you're upside down or right side up. Is that right? And why... If they're not right, what happens? Oh, um, I think in my case, you get vertigo. But I think in more extreme cases, um, yeah, you get vertigo or you get dizzy or am I disoriented? Yeah, disoriented. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Yeah, You don't know where you are. <laughs> I remember yeah. it was the uh, the cute autopsy lady who, who returned this episode <laughs> who told us that stuff. I was I was all ears for that one. Get it? She's an un. She, as far as I know, she is an unnamed character. She almost deserves a name. Steve, you're good at names. Like maybe <laughs> you need to come up with a name for her. I should. Like she and Charlotte are pals. Like you know, they're you can tell they're buddies. So she should have a name. Charlotte Khan. Just like Egon and the uh, Yugoslavian meatball guy were buddies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cops love autopsy people, man. That's like their best buds. Yeah. Well, Steve, you did great at that quiz. Oh, thank you very much. And that's a that's a good quiz because it reminds us of a lot of stuff and it made me realize about the broken arm thing I didn't even know. So, fantastic. Mm -hmm. Quiz time's fun time. <laughs> but we got to get back to work now, Lindsay. Get back to your desk and let's continue recapping the show. Okay. So, <laughs> Jonas arrives at the entrance of the caves and hidden behind the trees is the stranger who checked into the hotel. Yep. Jonas walks inside and the stranger looks his watch and seems to be marking the time as, aha, mm -hmm. Jonas, you went in that cave just right on time. I like that too. Right on time for the boat to arrive. 1899's here. Ike Larson, ahoy, Captain. <laughs> I can't look at that guy the same. <laughs> ahoy. <laughs> I mean, I know he's the stranger, but I just want to call him Ike every time I see him. Um, yeah, I, I didn't have any notes behind on this scene. I just wanted to point out that more than likely Jonas rode his bike from his house to the caves because Heather was kind of confused later on in the episode when he exited the caves and he came mm -hmm. upon his bike and he was looking at his bike really funny. Like yeah. she took that as like, you know, why is this bike laying here? But really right. that was his bike that let's just say that he rode his bike to the caves and his bike is parked somewhere along the road i read it that way too that, that was his bike yeah. i think the reason we do that is is partially because of stranger things because in that show um will is on his bike that's you know and then they find the bike later in the woods and mm -hmm. everybody's like oh my gosh he here's his bike and it almost you could almost read it like you know it's like oh my gosh here's mickle's bike but he didn't arrive on a bike to the caves he's with his brother <laughs> yeah so he, yeah, he took the bike to the caves. Jonas is always, pretty much always on his bike when he's out and about. Um, when he's traveling from point A to point B, he is on that bicycle. He's one of the few characters that's ready for a rainfall too. Most of these characters just kind of <laughs> let the rain fall and just wash down their faces or whatever. But 
He's always ready with his raincoat. I'm proud of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So back at Winden High, Francisca yeah. notes in a class. <laughs> the teacher is discussing themes, symbolism, and imagery from the works of Goethe. And in walks Magnus, who isn't in the class, but he's there to harass Francisca. <laughs> that, that is my personal interpretation. <laughs> yeah, that, that's exactly why he's there. There's no other reason that he's there. And he makes it 100% obvious to everyone who wants to know that that's exactly why he's there. Just to lurk on her. Surprised yeah. the teacher didn't call it out or like say, hey, Magnus, what are you doing? <laughs> exactly. What kind of school is this? <laughs> A very open air school, I suppose. <laughs> well, okay. Magnus is the son of the principal. Ah, uh, so forgot about that maybe fact. everybody's like, "Oh, you know, this guy gets away with whatever. He skips school." I mean, I was thinking um, it was more like the the missing brother thing, and everybody was giving him a pass because of his brother. Mm, but you're right about the principal true. thing too. That's yeah, he's got some nepotism happening over here, and he's getting away with whatever he wants to. And uh, I should yeah. say, but I know we're going to move on and talk about more. But the teacher talking about the symbolism and the through lines. Of course, we're mm. looking for symbolism too. The most important thing that the teacher said is he was talking about doubling and about how, you know, um, you'll branch off like things will branch off in two different directions. Mm -hmm. So, of course, that ties in with our episode title and theme all together. Right. And the infinity symbol was on the chalkboard. Absolutely. To emphasize the point either. This is what I mean, kids. This figure eight symbol. If you're not completely sure what I'm talking about. Yep. But yes, doubling, double lives. It all ties up very nicely. Magnus's plan to intimidate her falls apart quickly when Francesca receives a mysterious text and says she needs to use the bathroom. And this is a typical excuse excuse that teens use to they can never think of any other excuse except for they're going to the bathroom so there's no other excuse that a teen can come up with to leave the classroom that's the (laughs) only one that a teacher will accept so you got to take what you can get (laughs) yeah and then magnus just quickly exits the room so and the teacher didn't stop him there that's where the teacher should have said something that moment yeah like wait a second magnus what are you doing at first i was thinking um magnus went to the class and texted Francisca, meet me in the hallway. And then Francisca exited. But obviously, whoever dropped off that thing by the railroad tracks is who alerted Francisca. And that's why she ran off. Mm -hmm. Yep. Nobody stops these kids from leaving school, apparently, either. It's open season. Or coming into the school. school That's what's even more alarming. They just walk into Mm -hmm. the school as well with an open door. (laughs) Yeah. So she goes to the woods, as you said, and follows the railroad tracks to a mysterious metal box. Francisca opens the box, takes out a large envelope of money, Mm. and Magnus is watching everything from a distance. (laughs) He's still suspecting her of some sort of plot that could be connected to Mickle. Sure. I mean, she's acting mysterious here, so... I can't blame him, but he has been a little too busybody nosy boy, though, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I love that one shot of, I think that you put this in your, um, 
I think I, I think I love this shot because you told me to <laughs> in your um, in your recap, like where she's like, you know, she's walking. She hears a noise behind her. She turns around. Yeah. She's got that stark red hair against all those red leaves. She's got that green jacket against all the, the green scenery. It's almost as if she like belongs there in that scenery. She almost like melts into it. Like the colors mm. are so great. I like that shot a lot. Yeah. That shot is just, I think it's reminds me so much of like every Hitchcock, Alfred Hitchcock movie too, is like you have the person walking yeah. and they turn around thinking they might be followed or hear footsteps or a rustling in the trees. And yeah, it is a really cool shot. So that's funny that you're like, because I was just thinking in my head, ah, the iconic shot. And then you're like, you told me to like this shot, so I'm going <laughs> to like it. <laughs> Power persuasion. See, I listen to you. <laughs> So now the camera cuts to Charlotte at the forensic lab where the same medical examiner, Steve Sweetheart, mm-hmm. is looking, <laughs> who, who had cut up the dead boy, is cutting up in one of the birds that Charlotte picked up from the other night. And they notice that the bird has white spots that aren't normally part of the species. And Charlotte lets her know that she saw birds like this 33 years ago. And the other thing I want to point out is that forensic specialist is wearing our teal blue color. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Maybe we can call her Dr. Body. How's that sound? Because <laughs> she, bo- she cuts up bodies. You know, I don't know. <laughs> that sounds neat. <laughs> yeah. I, um, what was I going to say about Charlotte? You mentioned in our last episode, or maybe the episode, yeah, it was our last episode, because this was Young Charlotte in 1986. Mm -hmm. Um, I was all like, oh, she's so cool, little artist using her dead birds. And you were like, (laughs) she's more like a serial killer. I should have been listening to you, because (laughs) I'm agreeing with you more and more now. Like, when when you're handling dead animals like that, you become, like, desensitized to dead things. And so it makes perfect Mm -hmm. sense that she would be like an accomplice or like, yes, like she, she would have no problem dragging dead bodies around in the woods because she used to store dead bodies in her freezer. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, I suspect her at this point, but I'm saying that I should have um, considered that more in the last episode. I kind of gave her a pass and I, um, I defer more to you there that it is kind of like more like a creepy serial killer thing. I'm realizing that more now. <laughs> well, th- those are words are sweet to my ears, Steve. <laughs> but yeah, it is it is interesting that you know, for as much when when people say like now we talked about last time too about the distance, 33 years. Yeah. 33 years ago, Charlotte picked up this bird and she intimately studied it in the woods and knew it well enough to draw it but is it like i don't know like ulrich looking at this body and saying that could be mads and we never verified if it is or not but like it you know like not even entertaining that possibly like right is it the same she noticed the birds 33 years ago but in a way charlotte isn't really seeming like she knows a lot about birds when you'd think she would know a lot more about these birds or she'd say something about how she drew the birds unless she didn't want to look creepy but yeah it's been a long time i guess since she studied dead birds but yeah it was interesting how with the birds though i noticed 
you know, you said she cuts up people. Um, but the way that they cut up the bird is they like just basically poked a hole right in its chest. And I was like, wow, that's, you know, and the birds are just kind of lying in a tray, <laughs> you know, like a pile of birds. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess that makes sense. I mean, they're, they're birds. Yeah. So I mean, you're not going to like space them out in their, in their little individual little table and I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, it's cool that Charlotte made that connection about 33 years ago. And it's interesting, too, how like I would just round that. I would be like, yeah, around 30 years ago. But they they make specific use of the 33 number. Yeah, it's true. You might say about 30 years ago or yeah. whatever. Yeah. So Charlotte walks through the halls of the station and she's intervened by Waller, the person with the eye patch. My boy. And he's, yeah, he <laughs> seems panicked. The station has been receiving a lot of calls from people who are upset about the dead body who's found, and he's really not sure what to tell them since it's supposed to be a secret. So somehow this was leaked. And Charlotte also learns Ulrich hasn't come into work yet, which has left Waller to deal with tasks that Ulrich normally would do. Yep. And also the red soil that are on the body doesn't match anything which we already kind of knew that before but i guess waller has picked up on this fact too and the dna doesn't match any cases recent cases so charlotte suggests he go back further up to 15 years ago to look at older cases why didn't she say 33 years ago that's exactly (laughs) what she should have said it was just on her mind yeah yeah (laughs) I guess um, yeah, this guy Waller has got a lot on his plate now and he's stressed. This is not his duty that he should be doing. You know, mm-hmm. he's like picking up other people's slack. But at the same time, it's pretty clear that Charlotte is keeping him at arm's length too, mm-hmm. which is one of the things I, I did not notice whatsoever. My first viewing, you know, my, when I first watched this show a couple of years ago, I never caught on to the fact that it, it she's try she's tr- picking up evidence that it's peter but she's trying to um mm-hmm. just she's trying to to break away that ev- she's trying to crumble that evidence away and she doesn't want this other dude to pick up on it with the one eye yeah waller um he my my reading is actually like you said he has a lot in his plate and in a way he does cuz he's handling all these phone calls But she gave him a task. The task she gave him was to look in the database to compare the notes to previous cases. Mm -hmm. And that's what she asked him to do. But he does keep interrupting her. And and he's like you're saying on the one hand, he has a lot of work to do, but he's eager. You know, he's almost like maybe I should do this instead. It's almost like if you got the opportunity he, you know, usually he's the third party, right? Because Charlotte and Ulrich are partners. With Ulrich out of the picture, maybe he's thinking this is his chance to yeah. step up and do a, a do more work. But Charlotte's kind of relegating him to the the menial tasks that that maybe aren't that interest as interesting. So um, I wasn't. I was looking at it like he's excited maybe for an opportunity to do more rather yeah. than, oh, you got this work for me to do. But it, it is like, she says, have you finished that job yet? No. And she's like, well, why are you here then? Go back to do what I asked you to do. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> I mean, I've been there before. I know how that is. <laughs> Waller's a company man. <laughs> he is. He is. And that's what I mean. Like, he ha- you can tell yeah. he's taking everything seriously. And mm-hmm. he's trying to pick up on clues. And she's, like I said, keeping him at arm's length. Yeah, she's definitely trying to dis- give him, keep him busy with something because she's wanting, like, exactly what you said. She's going to, wants to keep everything close to the vest right now until she knows more. Yeah, I think she's trying to disprove Peter right now. Like, she has her suspicions, but she's trying to, like, eliminate that possibility. Mm-hmm. But speaking of Peter, let's go hang out with him, maybe. Well, my next note is about the Nielsen residence. Oh, but darn did it. you want to say something else about Peter? <laughs> <laughs> I thought the next note was when we cut to Peter going to his car. I'm sorry about that. You go ahead okay. and do your thing. Yeah, I mean these things are these things are short actually, <laughs> but house and Katarina is just watching waiting for Oleg to wake up basically. And uh she tells him that Charlotte hasn't gotten that search warrant yet, but it's now been three hours and no sign of Mickle. So Katarina's been that Lady Macbeth energy, you know, get up. Yeah. I need you to do something. She's she's just like Ulrich, Katarina is like, you know, the time is the time has passed with no action. So she's basically asking him to do something, anything. I'm surprised she didn't wake him up earlier than this. I guess she just let him sleep until I don't know why she let him sleep as long as she did. But um You'll be proud to know that I noticed the red fingernail polish that she was wearing. <laughs> and, yes. and I noticed the, um, the amazing Mickel poster mm-hmm. above the bed, along with all those, mm-hmm. like, eight, like, I don't know what kind of, like, cohesive, cohexal shapes he has all around his bed as well. That weird wallpaper. But I like mm-hmm. how we took the picture of Houdini and stuck his own head in there. Um, he's a real <laughs> egomaniac, that little Mickel. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that fingernail polish too. I mean, they did cut to the fingernail. Like, that was the they actually showed you the fingernails, and then they backed up to show it was Katarina. Yeah, but the main um, thing is, Ulrich, get out of bed and go get some stuff done. That's the main thing. Yeah. Here. Jonas is in the caves now and basically reaches a dead end. Yeah, that's right. I think he need. I think he needs a beacon to help guide the light. I think is what he needs. <laughs> But yeah, he's trying. I mean, he's um, do he's skipping school to do this, so he's he's serious about it, and mm-hmm. he recollects himself later on. So yeah, he's bummed right now. Yeah. He's obviously bummed. So back at the station, Charlotte pulls out the data disc that she confiscated from the wildlife observation box, and she begins to watch the footage, noticing that the time of Miggle's disappearance was between nine thirty and ten thirty p.m. She identifies, she kind of fast-forwards the camera, finds one vehicle driving past at the right time, and takes a screenshot of the license plate. And it turns out the car belongs to Peter. Peter Doppler, man. He's he's not <laughs> looking really innocent these days. Not in any of these episodes is he looking innocent. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, here's the proof right here that she did not want um, when, I get, when I got to see Waller is mm-hmm. this picture of Peter. She just kind of downplays it like, oh, it's just a picture. Maybe it'll be something. Mm-hmm. So yep. again, driving that boy off. All right. So now we get to where Peter <laughs> walks to his car 
opens the door and freezes. <laughs> On the floor mat inside yes. the car, we see red dirt. More of that red, except what for this you, what time. What do you want to say, Steve? <laughs> I'm going to say it's red clay and it's that red murder dirt. clay. I mean, it's the clay we've been looking for. And it's in Peter's car. <laughs> murder clay. <laughs> yeah. So the evidence seems to be mounting up even higher about Peter. Mm-hmm. But, you know, uh, but Peter's phone rings and it's Charlotte asking him. Now she wants to hear why he called the night Mickle disappeared. Yeah. Now she, she has his to know. full attention. Yes. Because before she probably thought I was about just some crap. But now she's like, oh, well, I think you have something you want to tell me now, buddy. He doesn't tell her mm-hmm. anything, though. He makes I don't know if he's lying. I don't know if he's lying or not, but doesn't look yeah, good. Yeah, he is lying. Because she asked him if he was in the office the whole day. And he says, yeah, and I was I got home something about he left around 11 I think is what he said yeah he said he left the office at 10 and that picture was like about 1030 of him so I thought that kind of lined up but at the same time it shows that he was out and about in the same area that the disappearance happened at the exact same time maybe he said he got home at 10 yeah like maybe that was it but it's something about 10 o'clock and we know that he was he was out and you know, she asked him, were you at the office all day? And he says, yes. So he's, he is lying. Yes. And she knows it because she has the evidence proving otherwise. Yep. It's and not we that know, she just suspects yeah. it. <laughs> and yeah. we see his face. We see all these weird crying. We, we know that he's feeling <laughs> bad about something. Yeah. Next, Charlotte pulls up in a parking lot near a parked RV and the RV is got some lights flashing like a party every minute going on inside this trailer. Open. Yep. The RV is owned by a transgender sex worker named Bernadette. This this person's this person's full name according to the dark wiki is well, wait, I can't now I can't remember. Oh, it's <laughs> Bernadette Waller. Oh, like the cop Waller. Okay. Right. So they're related somehow. Interesting. Did yeah. not know that. Fun fact about Benny. Yeah. Now, I did tell you last week that there was a character named Benny. Mm-hmm. And now I'm, now I'm oh. throwing doubts on my own theory because... Okay. Somebody, it said that Benny was born in... That Benny... This Benny is born in 1987... So then they're like, no, that can't be right because this person is older. Yeah, or yeah. I don't know. Anyway, it may or may not be that Benny after all. But uh, Bernadette is the name that they're given. But a lot of times you hear Bernadette referred to as Benny. Okay. So Charlotte shows her badge and asks if Peter was a client and if he visited her on Monday night, the night of Mickle's disappearance. Benny teases Charlotte a little, but after seeing her distress, assures her that P- Peter has, hasn't visited in a year. And Charlotte kind of gets emotional here in a different way than we've seen her. Very normally stoic expression. Right. She cries both when she pulls out the picture of the family and then she cries when 
Bernadette says he hasn't been here in a year and it's more like a cry of relief is how I read it. And yeah, I want to know what you have to say, Steve. I didn't read it as a cry of relief. I read it as a cry of like, oh crap. Like she was hoping that Peter was there that night with Benny Mm, because if Peter was there with Benny, then he would have an alibi and he'd be innocent. So I think Charlotte was hoping that he was there with Benny. And the fact that he hasn't been there in a year and they've been sleeping in separate beds for over a year. That's kind of weird, too. It's like, so Peter hasn't been unfaithful, at least with Benny anyway. Maybe with somebody else he has been. Well, he was. Yes, he was. And so they they ended up in separate bedrooms because of that. Mm Mm-hmm. Sometimes when, I mean, I, I've never been married before, Steve, but sometimes, as I understand it, when people have, people are unfaithful, there's cheating involved. And in this case, Charlotte found out, you know, we, Francisca verifies this later, but we find out that Peter is gay. Mm-hmm. And so not only was he sleeping with somebody else, but he was sleeping with a man. And so finding out something like that could be devastating. So I think sometimes... It takes a while, like, even sure. if you say that, oh, I'm not going to go there again, I won't go to that person, it can take you a while to forgive that person, so Absolutely. that's how I okay. read their their bedroom separation, that even though yes. he hasn't gone, she's hasn't she hasn't fully regained her trust for him or wanted intimacy or, you know. Okay, okay you're right about that. But I'm right about the fact that Charlotte is hap- is not happy that Peter wasn't there. She was fully expecting Benny to be like, yeah, he was here that night. Um, that didn't happen. <laughs> so, like, Charlotte is yeah. now still suspecting Peter. She, hmm. She's still in it. Yeah, I don't fully agree, but okay. okay. I think she's pretty relieved that, 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 to hear that. Okay. Okay. Um... But the way that I was looking at it could be the same, but it was more like when that when she figured out he was lying, she's like, what is a reason he could have been lying? And then she had to limit she had to see follow that reason. She then eliminated that reason. And now she has to deal with the fact that he might be responsible for murdering. So maybe I'm saying the same thing as you, but I do still think. Okay. She was like, what could he have done that was so bad to justify him lying to me? Um, so she goes, I don't think she wanted to go visit Bernadette. No. Um, but it, I still think there was some relief on her part, or at uh-huh. least, you know, she's thinking, oh, he probably. And I think actually, Steve, that's why she was avoiding his other calls. Because he kept calling her to say, like, Charlotte, I have something to tell you. And I think she thought he was going to tell her that he had gone to Bernadette's trailer. Right. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. Yeah. All right. So now we have a series of several characters. One is Ulrich standing outside the power plant and looks determined and that he's gonna <laughs> basically find he's gonna break as he's got a blanket he's ready to throw it over that fence yep. he's gonna climb the fence 
And I got to mention here, Heather said that he looked like an, uh, an army action figure that her brother Josh <laughs> used to play with. Like the way his face was all square and like the clothes mm-hmm. he chose that day. Was there it raining go. too? It was drizzling at this point. Yeah. Just to give some like dramatic effects to his, his, yeah. vis- his visage. <laughs> yeah. I thought this was, this was, I thought that scene was great because Ulrich has just like this look on his face and the music is really cool. And it's like, uh, something's going to happen. Dread. Yeah. Jonas's cave exploration has hit a dead end. Uh, and <laughs> Helg begins chanting, the beginning is the end and the end is the beginning. And all of this kind of makes a boil with the tension of the moment. That's a Wheel of Time Uh, phrase right there. The end is the beginning, the beginning is the end. That's pretty much how every Wheel of Time book in the series begins, is that there is no beginning, there is no end, but this is a beginning. Oh. So I thought that was a nice little tie-in with my other favorites. Also doubling, right? Yeah, doubling up. And this is one of the hermetic principles as well, doubling or mirroring. <laughs> that things are um, polarity, that the end is the same as the beginning and all that. So Francisca arrives back at the school and enters the locker room. And Magnus arrives, still following her and watches as Francisca performs a rhythm gymnastics routine in a blue leotard. Mm-hmm. And he is just continuing his role of being a stalker. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Yep. Mm-hmm. I like the fact that she does this. This reminds me of my daughter, Charlotte, not Charlotte Doppler, okay. but Charlotte <laughs> Barnes. Because, um, you know, she gets in tights and leotards and does creative routines as well. Not ribbon dancing, but it's roller skating. But yeah, it de- definitely reminded me of, um, of Charlotte and her crew. Yeah. This scene, I remember, I mean, now I know what happens, but in this scene, when I saw it, it was one thing I found intriguing is that I was what I was thinking, what is Magnus thinking right now? You know, like he's obviously following her, but he also seems attracted to her mm-hmm. and fascinated and all this stuff. So it was, it was, you know, you know that I already liked Magnus as a character, but this scene was just like... What is he thinking? Because, yeah, he always looks like haunted and really super sad. And but then he's doing this bloodhound routine where he's just determined to find out what Francisca's up to. I mean, she's a big mystery. I can't blame him because it's it's fascinating people watching. She's going from being in school to going to the railroad tracks and getting money from somewhere. And then she's back in school and she's you know, dancing around in a routine and being creative and you don't mm-hmm. know what she's going to do next. There's whiplash. no clue. What? Whip, a form of whiplash. Yeah. Magnus is getting a like, whiplash, like <laughs> mysterious woman. So now Jonas has given up on its exploration. As I said before, Jonas doesn't do much this episode. He goes to the caves. It's true. Turns around. He returns to his bike in the woods only to find a red cord tied around the handlebars. Yes. Takes our boy back. Um, it made me, me and Heather wonder what he was looking at his bike so funny for. And <laughs> it, was, it, was like a, it was like a second viewing kind of dawn of realization there, too. It's like, oh, it's the red cord. And then like we were like, 
I guess, you know, Ike Larson put it there. This is my, my best guess because he knew that he went into the cave. Is, is that who you're thinking put that red cord there as well? Well, you probably know, but I mean, is, is that who it looks to you, the TV viewer, as what happened there? Yeah, I, that is the conclusion I came to. But honestly, the, my first viewing, I didn't understand who put it there myself. Now, you know, I'm like, I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was the stranger. Well, the, the thing that made me sure was that the, um, when, he, uh, <laughs> when he became a stalker himself, um, the stranger that is, started becoming a stalker and goes into Jonas's room. We're going to get to the scene in about 30 minutes, but he'll um, use a red marker to like mark up that um, map of his, the map of Jonas's. Mm-hmm. So like the red cord kind of coincides with the red marker. So I kind of took that as like, oh, that's that dude doing that. Mm-hmm. You're really talking about red a lot, Steve. I am. You know, my, 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 uh, my voice cues up here are like a nice solid red. Yours below me is a mauve color. I thought you might like to know the color of your sound file. <laughs> but hey, I'm, um, I'm going to take a quick break before we okay. continue on with act three of the show. We'll be right back. Mm-hmm. All right, we're back. We were talking about Jonas before. Now we're moving on to our gal, Charlotte. Is that right? Mm-hmm, yes. Charlotte visits a cabin in the woods that be- turns out to belong to Helg, her father-in-law. Yep. And she stoops down and scoops up some very familiar-looking red dirt. <laughs> Doesn't look good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she receives a phone call from the medical examiner sharing the final results from the mm-hmm. bird autopsy autopsy the bird's eardrums were shattered as just steve like barnes suggested boys. last episode <laughs> yeah as steve barnes, just like the dead boys and the bird died crashing into the ground probably because it lost its bearings otaconia mm-hmm. yep and, you know, this is a case like you're talking about, Steve. If they went out back in that database, they'd see that goat's eardrums were ruptured. Right. They're not going to go back 33 years. They're just going to stay in that 15-year range. <laughs> they had it right Gosh. there. I don't know why they didn't push for 18 more mm-hmm. years, but okay. <laughs> the white spots are a mutation caused by Chernobyl. Mm-hmm. And after looking inside the cabin, Charlotte notices a metal hatch on the ground outside and inside she finds a downstairs room that looks like a bunker Mm -hmm. from here on out i'm just going to call that room the bunker yeah that makes sense she receives a phone call from someone else that elicits a remark he did what (laughs) nice little uh it's a nice little (laughs) tag there you know uh what do they call that a cliffhanger yeah yeah Cause I was thinking, like, if she like went to the bunker a little bit more, I was like, "Keep going, you're." I yeah. think you're about to find something, but no, you got this phone call and it drew you the other direction. I was like so excited that she was going to find something. Mm. I hope she yeah. comes back because she was onto something there. I have a big question. Mm-hmm. Um, she and this reminded me of of a movie we just watched. We watched Under Under the Skin recently, so. When she opens up the cabin door, not the bunker door, but the cabin door, it's completely black inside. 
and like she walks like two or three steps into the darkness and so she's like her silhouette just like in black and it just hangs there the camera hangs there for like five six seconds and then she just simply backs right back out of the cabin again i thought that was really odd like how like she was it's almost like she i interpreted that as she was afraid to go into the dark i guess like i saw the dark and charlotte did not go into it um Mm -hmm. i didn't know what else to take from that i don't know my question really notice i didn't really notice that she went in and then came back right back out i was distracted by some other details but like the word Doppler. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she might have gone in and been like, is there going to be a dead body in here? Mm-hmm. You know, more dead bodies. Or am I going to see like a weird chair, <laughs> a murder chair with like, you know, <laughs> or like a toilet in the corner? You know, what am I going to see? And when I'm guessing it's a pretty small cabin, she goes in, nothing to see here. There's nobody here. Okay. And she just that could be it or there could be something more to it. I don't know. I didn't notice that visual at all. I hope she comes back, though, because that red clay was a dead giveaway in my mind. I think in everybody else's mind, too. Yeah. There were some words lightly written on the wall down in that bunker. Really could not make them out. I couldn't either. It looked like they were the names of cities or something. They were obviously (laughs) in German. I did the same thing, too. I freeze framed, tried to read the words. No Mm -hmm. luck. (laughs) Yeah. So all of this has caused Charlotte to get really distracted and forget to pick Elizabeth up from school. That's your number one job, Mom. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Back at the school, Elizabeth and Yasin are having a really interesting conversation about male and female snails (laughs) and how how they spend time together. Yeah. And Yasin's mom comes and pick him up which leaves Elizabeth by herself. She's offered a ride home, but she feels confident that Charlotte will be there soon. Because her mom's the chief of police. Her mom's the chief of police, yeah. And she says that so, and like, again, the way she signed it, she signed Mm -hmm. it like, you could see like chief of police, (laughs) like the way she was like emphasizing (laughs) those words with her body. Super cool. Yeah. I don't have any other notes about this scene. Did you have anything else to add? I don't, add? not for this one. Francisca comes back into the changing room and finds her bag open. Magnus has taken the money Mm-mm. and confronts her about why she has it. And the two of them have a fight, of course, because Francisca is not about to answer for herself, even though she ends up explaining <laughs> everything yeah. about, the, about the money. And... Um, she tells Magnus that she wants to get away from her parents who won't talk about what's going on between them. And this speech is in the way somebody, you know, the way this speech is made is really good because I feel like it's sort of a turning point in their relationship Yeah, that Magnus has been looking at Francisca a certain way. You know, she's a straight A student that is selling drugs. So she must be super selfish <laughs> and uh, a troublemaker, even though he's kind of a troublemaker too. I mean, he skips class and mm-hmm. smokes weed in the thing, in the thing, but he just, <laughs> he's, 
she talks about her parents and the lies that are in the family and how they don't talk about stuff. And I think Magnus really resonates with that. Yeah. And feels like he sees something in himself in her in her words. Not only that, but I think he was, he's just drawn to like the real her. This is who he's been wanting to see this whole time. You know, all he's been seeing is a bunch of mysteries, but he's, what he's been really wanting to know is like, what makes her tick? What's her deal? Well, mm-hmm. she tells him her deal right there. And yeah, that's what he's been wanting to know this whole time. So he feels finally close to her. He's like, kind of, kind of <laughs> solve the puzzle in a way, a little bit. I don't know. I don't know. Guys mm-hmm. like, I'm just general statement, like guys like when yeah. you get real, you know, <laughs> no games. Mm-hmm. Well, they just end up having some hot makeout session right there on the on the bench. Nobody's yeah. worried about anybody walking in because at that yeah. this school we know there's no adults. <laughs> there's no adults, and everybody else's stuff is all around them. So who knows who could walk in at any time? But um, me and my wife Heather determined that it was that they're just being kids, just kind of being frisky because she's wearing tights, and I know that you. you you can't yeah. go to the bathroom with tights on and a leotard on top. You just cannot. They don't make them like a onesie. Like you have to take all of your clothes off if you want to use the bathroom. <laughs> so I know for a fact that that's not what's happening here. They're just being frisky and having fun. You're saying they didn't. You're just saying they didn't have sex. Yes, I'm saying that okay. because she. I mean, they could have took, taken off clothes later. Yeah, you know, later. But, but yeah. from what we yeah. see, they were just yeah, just kids having fun. Yeah. But why did she have to, like, move up and down then? <laughs> Never mind. Um, okay. Friction? I'm going to move on. <laughs> yeah. So Charlotte calls Peter panicked because she can't pick mm. up Elizabeth. Right. And Peter is like, I don't can't really pick her up either because I'm at work. And uh, Charlotte just says, you got to do it. Yeah, you know? it's on you. We, we continue to see who's got the pants in the family here. <laughs> and she asks him, yeah, this was interesting because she asks him if he's kept his promise to her from a year ago. She just got that. She just got those words from Bernadette that he hadn't, but she com- mm-hmm. wants to confirm it with Peter. I thought it was weird timing too, but I think she's still clinging to the hope that he was like with another man that night and not, mm-hmm. you know, she yeah. wants, she wants him to have an alibi. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why she was questioning him one more time. Like this is bad yeah. timing, but <laughs> she wants to know one more time. Like, please give me something. Give me a reason that you weren't there. That's true because Bernadette even says, Maybe he's getting his needs met somewhere else. Right. That's what I'm basing it on. So, yeah. Yeah. So back at school, Elizabeth has decided to start walking home. Mm-hmm. And we learned that little booger actually had that red <laughs> lipstick, Steve. I know. That's why I'd say before. She's a little <laughs> hypocrite. <laughs> <laughs> but she's having fun though in the rain. This is a great mm-hmm. scene too, actually. Yep, splashing in the rain, and she comes across a radar candy wrapper. That was kind of creepy. It was, but it 
It's like the only litter that I've seen in Wyndon. It's a very clean town, I guess. The only thing that's littered is like the candy bars. And I guess that's like a signpost for um, these missing kids, mm-hmm. I guess is what they're trying to tell us. But yeah, the, those Raider candy bars are still being sold in stores in 2019, right? In 2019, Like in Elizabeth's probably. time. Yeah. Like, yeah. She, like she found that candy wrapper and it wasn't like, oh, here's an old candy wrapper from 1986. It was like, oh, here's a candy okay, wrapper. Now, okay, now I see what you're saying. It. Yeah, I had that in our previous episode, but now I don't have it in front of me, so I don't remember. I think it changed this, at, at this point, it changed its name to Twix. Um, okay, so having it be Raider was like kind of an anachronistic thing. Where, and they yeah, found a yeah. Raider thing by um, the, mis- the, the mystery boy's body, too. That was one of the things about him. Yeah. So I think that the signal here was, we were, we were supposed to think there's a chance Elizabeth could be kidnapped. Yeah, and everybody's very up, worried for about 15 minutes, yes. Yeah, she could end up in the uh, the murder room, the blue wallpaper room. That's for boys only, no girls. <laughs> no girls allowed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anything else you want to say about the scene here with Elizabeth? Um, I just underlined um, the missing lipstick part, that's all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Her outfit too was a little unusual. She had it had one leg was red and one leg was white and blue. It was an interesting outfit, but oh, like America. I'm not going to look too much into that. But uh, <laughs> well, you yeah. should. That's what we do. One red, <laughs> one white and blue. I mean, it does sound like yeah. an American flag to me, or, or a French flag, perhaps. What's Germany's flag? It has no red. It's like yellow, black, and green, isn't it? I think it's different colors than red, white, and blue. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. But <laughs> Helg is Helg is going on a walk and escapes the nursing home again. <laughs> Just like it's easy to leave the school, yeah. it is easy to leave the nursing home. I guess. <laughs> I mean, if he's if he does this disappearing act, you would think they would do something. You know, at some point they'd put something on his windows mm-hmm. or you know for the, for his safety. But, Absolutely. Um, he. Just continues to t- that he's going to tell him it has to stop. Right. And uh, I think one of the possibilities here we have to entertain is, well, now Helg is in this nursing home, though. I mm-hmm. was thinking, is it possible that, you know, is it possible that Helg and Peter, are, you know, if it's actually Helg and Peter's covering for him and you know, covering for his dad or, you know, but probably Helg is not going to this cabin anymore because he's supposedly in the nursing home, although he can keep escaping. And then people are like, well, where does he go? Yeah. He escaped that very night too. Um, Mm -hmm. that same night. So that's kind of suspicious. Actually, he showed up at the school that same night that, um, Mikkel went missing. Right. Mm -hmm. Yep. So yeah, he's not quite as tight and tidy as we think, but I mean, I was kind of um, leaning towards, you know, Peter's doing all this stuff and then the dad is, you know, trying to tell him to stop and say that it's all going to happen again or whatever. That's kind of where my head was going until the end of this episode, as a matter of fact. Yeah. Like, yeah, one one question we could ask ourselves is who's sneaking out at night? Right. You know, who's, who's unaccounted for? Tronte so Peter is and, one. Yeah, Peter, Tronte, Tronte, yeah. Helg. Yeah. Um, 
sometimes Magnus <laughs> just goes just goes on his t- Elizabeth goes off on her own. I mean, Ulrich almost everybody runs does. off and Jonas. <laughs> Jonas, yeah, there's a lot of running around. We can, yeah. It's kind of hard to narrow. Who's not running around at night? Let's figure that out first. Yeah. <laughs> Charlotte. Charlotte's not running around. Well, Neither she's running around around the woods, yeah. So Peter arrives <laughs> at the school and, and panics because Elizabeth is gone. Yes. And Charlotte has gone to pick up Ulrich, who was discovered breaking into the plant without a warrant. And he's his face is all bloody. Mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of funny because Charlotte kind of gives him a look, and he just Alexander says he wasn't being cooperative. I think is his wording. Yeah. So it looks like they kind of beat up Ulrich a little bit. Yeah, talking about like the the double lives thing. It seems like <laughs> the police and the power plant have like flipped the power structure. It's like the power plant guy has on the armor, and he has on like the the AK-47 in his hand, and he's the one who beat up Ulrich. Ulrich's the cop. Charlotte's the cop. And Alexander and this other guy are acting like they're, like, above them. And it's just a Mm -hmm. real weird power flip that I couldn't help but notice. Yeah, wind and police. No future. (laughs) The the police are not... The police here in this town aren't the power... The power holders of the power, are they, Steve? No. not Not in this case, anyway. Um, and the only other note I had for this scene is going back mm-hmm. to Peter. Um, that mm-hmm. homework folder, the teacher scolded him like as he was running away, like I wrote the note in his, in her homework folder and parents, you got to look at that homework mm-hmm. folder, especially when your kids oh, are in elementary right. school. I mean, you got to, I mean, yeah, now like Char- early. Yeah. And he would have known if he checked out our homework, but obviously he's not doing that. So <laughs> they're not reading notes. <laughs> Um, back to Charlotte and Ulrich, she's yeah. sort of taking him home and, and Ulrich starts yelling about how unfair this is. He feels like nobody's taking this seriously. Right. He's sounding a lot like Mr. Obendorf, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Exactly like him, as a matter of fact. <laughs> and he basically says if, um, the warrant hasn't been gotten yet because he's not your kid and he's not. This mm-hmm. other person's kid is like, you know, and nobody cares unless it's their kid. And he feels pretty put upon by, he feels unsupported and how people will keep saying how sorry they are. Right. I understand it's a hard time, but nobody really understands what a parent whose child's missing is going through except for that parent. And that's fair. I agree with that. And I, I don't think people should say things like, I know how you feel or this must be difficult. It's like... Yeah, I can hear yeah. that. And I can't, yeah, I really can't blame him for storming out and not even wanting to be in the car with her anymore. Um, kind of weird how he walked in the opposite direction, but it was very telling how he was like, this didn't happen to his son. This isn't happening to your kids. And then mm-hmm. like five seconds later, she gets a phone call, which mm-hmm. tells her that her kid actually is missing. So yeah. it's kind of like Ulrich was prophetic in that movement there. <laughs> yeah. So Charlotte <clears throat> finds Elizabeth's knitted animal hat that she was wearing. Mm. And it's soaking wet and she picks it up and goes home sad, disbelieving the worst. Exactly. 
We have our musical montage, which is Keep the Streets Empty for Me by Fever Ray. Oof. Are you familiar with Fever Ray? I am not. Fantastic artist. Um, I'll just call them they just for the sake of not knowing their gender, but they um, perform like with um, people like PJ Harvey and Chelsea Wolf, who are like my favorite artists. So if they're associated with Chelsea Wolf and PJ Harvey, then they're okay in my book. And yeah, their songs are fantastic. This one, like, you know, fantastic for the show. I love it. Just wanted to shout out Fever Ray. Still put me out music to this day. Thank you. So Francisca arrives home and learns her sister is missing. Jonas lies down to think. <laughs> Again, he does that a lot. Um, Katarina <laughs> is vacuuming the floor and Ulrich arrives home. Well, she's standing and, next to the vacuum anyway. That's something. Yeah, I don't know if she was actually vacuuming. That's a, that's a fair point. She's just kind of holding it and thinking about vacuuming. Yeah. And Helg arrives at the cabin where there are police lights flashing. Um, Elizabeth walks into the house, though. She's actually fine. <laughs> totally fine. <laughs> <laughs> And everybody is really upset, of course, full-on worried parent mode now. Where have you been? Their relief turns to anger quickly, as you do when the when the fear is over, you find your anger. So uh, Elizabeth tells her she met someone named Noah, which is why it took her so long, and that he gave her a gold pocket watch that used to belong to Charlotte. And Charlotte is very surprised to hear this detail and elizabeth gives her the watch which says for charlotte on the watch doesn't seem like she recognizes the watch to me she does not yeah it seems like it but i mean noah has her name right there noah mm -hmm. gave it to elizabeth and said this belongs to your mom um the engraving doesn't lie definitely says for charlotte and yeah. you can give it to me if you want and i'll give it to my charlotte That'd be great. But um, I'm glad we learned about Noah here. She tells us about Noah and we actually hear like a nice, like three or four punch of like Noah's name getting dropped like many times in like hmm. the span of like 10 minutes here. And this is one of them. We don't see her talk to Noah, yeah. um, but she tells us he does. And Elizabeth, not Elizabeth. Um, hmm, let me take that back again. Katerina, is that her name? No, not Katerina. Um, <laughs> Francesca. Yes, Francesca. <laughs> Very happy to see her sister, which is beautiful. Like, you know, she's she was mm -hmm. mad that she was gone. She actually missed her. She actually loves her. But then we get the slap her around the world. <laughs> she's like, keep my wife's lipstick out of your goddamn mouth. And she slaps her upside the face. That's rude, man. Yeah, she just slaps Elizabeth, you know, again, the temporary relief. Now they are back to sisterly rivals. It's time for me to slap you silly. And it it does, there's an awful lot of hitting in this show, Steve. Um, yeah. Charlotte didn't seem to say anything about that slap. You know, I didn't notice no. her saying, like, don't slap your sister. She just like, eh. It's, I kids guess it's a thing in Germany. We need to research that. Is that just a thing in Germany <laughs> where just, it's just, I know kids drink at an earlier age in Germany. It's fine. Maybe slapping is just something. Yeah. It's a cultural thing, perhaps. In America, maybe we're a bunch of snowflakes. I don't know. Are we? We're not snowflakes. We're Americans. 
But more importantly, I think that this pocket watch is very interesting. Um, of course, this is sort of like, you know, one of those moments where you're like, dum, dum, dum. I don't know. It's like, number one, why was Elizabeth hanging out with this older man named Noah in the right. woods? In the rain, and, no less. Yeah. Yeah. And with when kids are missing, you don't <laughs> you don't talk to a little girl and give her gifts. You know, would you like some candy, little girl? <laughs> I hope her mom has lots of questions for her yeah. after this, too. Can you please yeah. ID, ID this gentleman for us? Yeah. So um, the, there's a voiceover narration here that we're all looking for Ariadne's thread, a beacon that will guide us to the next step. But there, but there is one predetermined path to fate. And during this scene, the stranger goes into Jonas's room while he's sleeping and adds something to the map. Yep, and like I said, that that red pen, I think it's the same mm. thing as it ties in with that red string. He's that red pen is a beacon. I think that that's what they're telling us in this overhead thing is that these markings that he's getting ready to make on Jonas's map are going to guide Jonas to something. So this guy, this stranger is a beacon, I suppose. Mhm. Yep. And he's not hurting anybody yet. I mean, it looks like he might be dragging <laughs> bodies around. Perhaps it's kind of hard to tell who's dragging yeah. the bodies around, but they're definitely mm -hmm. dressed like him. But from what I've seen of his actual face, when we actually see him, when we know it's him, um, we haven't seen him do anything bad yet. Have we? He's just checked into a hotel room and took a shower and watched Jonas do stuff, right? And made a murder board. He made a murder board, but... We didn't actually see him murder anybody. He made his he little board. He picked up dead birds. <laughs> Steve, he did pick I think, up a dead bird. Yeah, that's right. Steve, that's right. I think that I think you're like you know you're so very biased because it's Ike, and you're like <laughs> my buddy Ike. I don't want him to be the bad guy. I want it to be Peter. <laughs> you want it to be Peter? Oh my gosh! Yeah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> poor Peter. Well, I mean, all evidence points that way. Let's go ahead and just go and throw the yeah. book at him. Um, Can't be with the person he loves, and then he's also <laughs> going to be a murderer. Um, yeah, interesting drop here of Ariadne's thread. As you know, this is a pretty big mythological reference. There's like a Greek myth. There's also the red thread of fate from like Chinese mythology. These are two things that... Um, we could look into, uh, you know, more for the future, but read up on those things. Um, if you want to, again, milk all the milk, all the uh, out of this cow, this dark cow. <laughs> um, the name Ariadne does come up many times in this show. So it's a good thing to know about. I don't want to go too deep into it, but I just want to clarify because I'm thinking that because I'm not familiar with Ariadne's thread. Is this mm -hmm. the thread that the guy used when he went into the um, labyrinth and he like mm -hmm. made the thread so he could find his way back out? Yeah, Is, that's what that refers to. Mm -hmm. yes. Cool. That's Yay. one of the. That's one of the. One of the stories. Okay. Um, but yeah, there's also a a programming system for like in tech tech solutions. Mm -hmm. You also have Ariadne's thread where. What you do is when you have a choice to make, you just make one choice, but then you mark it 
um, if it's the wrong way, just like you would in a maze. Right. He marked the maze to show this is not the right way. You know, this way is now is now. So just like the stranger goes in and makes this red thing to say, he basically says, okay, that way didn't go, but like, go this way. I don't know. I don't, we don't know what he put on the map yet, but he's marking the map up. Yeah. Yeah, I did a freeze frame of the map and I studied the map for a little while myself, trying to figure out like where I was like in the world of Winden, like in those caves. I wasn't very successful, but it was fun. <laughs> it was a fun little path to go down. It's a maze for all of us. Yes. We don't know where we are either. We're in the thick of it. Yeah. So in the very last scene, um, well, somehow I missed this part, but we do we do find out where. Oh, yeah. No, they're both in here. OK. Yassine's walking through the woods and he's mad. Same as Elizabeth was that he can't go to school by himself. <laughs> and he finds one of these little figurines made of pine cones, nuts and sticks. Mm -hmm. And he bends it up, bends to pick it up. And the man, um, a man says, Noah sent me. Obviously, mm. whoever this is doesn't know sign language. Otherwise, he would, you know. <laughs> yeah, he would sign that. Um, That's correct. Yeah, he just says, Noah sent me. Um, and somehow I missed that Helg also says that him that he's been talking about is Noah. So you mentioned Noah's mentioned mm -hmm. three times. So those are the extra two besides the one that Elizabeth says. Right. And yeah, when and that scene, too, that we missed with Helg in the hospital or like in the, the nursing home or whatever it is, we hear those two nurses talking in the background too. And they're mm -hmm. talking about the yeah. dead body that was found. So obviously it's gotten out to the public that another dead body was found. And I hope that our boy Yazin here doesn't become another dead body. It's not looking great. Um, Who do we think the leak is? The leak? Yeah. Who leaked the story? Like Waller says that... <sighs> Nobody was supposed to, you know, um, Charlotte, yeah. you know, told everybody that they please keep all this to yourselves. We don't want this to get outside. So who was the leak? I mean, we only know three of the cops right now. Yeah. The other cops we don't know. So that makes me think Waller is the leak because he's Waller's all the leak. Is that what his name is? The guy with the um, eye patch? Everybody blames Waller for everything. <laughs> I like Waller. Yeah, that's okay? his name. That's I his like name. him, but I think if it's anybody who's leaking, that be it's not Ulrich and it's not mm -hmm. Charlotte. So he's the only other police officer right now that we know of, except for maybe our Doctor Legs or Doctor Body, whatever I want to call her. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good question. Um, yeah, but we do know that Noah's out there, and Noah gave a thing. To Elizabeth. So Noah talked to Elizabeth or communicated with her. But in Yazin's mm. case, Noah sent a dude to get yes. Yazin. Yes. So there's a little difference there. And Elizabeth is fine. Like I said, this is a boys club only. Only boys are allowed to get abducted, I suppose. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and Yazin is not a baby. I love the way that he was. This reminded me of like a Sentai show or something where he was like, madly going i'm not a baby i'm a big boy and he was like yeah so and he's almost shadow boxing you know he's yep. like shadow boxing the air very emphatically talking to himself but it wasn't a good idea yes and you should listen to your mom um i mean we don't know that he gets kidnapped here but i'm just assuming that 
Mm-hmm. It's not looking good for him. And I've kept my promise, Steve. I didn't look ahead, but I am wondering now with that setup, if we are indeed going to meet Noah in the next episode, that would not surprise me at all. Just right. because they're like really building up to like this Noah person. Definitely they're building up the mystery of him. Yes. And yeah, um, Helge straight up answers the question at the end because every mm-hmm. time he's saying he's coming or he him 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 we know that him is Noah because the nurse yeah. asked him and he said Noah mm-hmm. so the only two things that we've heard him say like out of his normal context are you look sad to Peter and yeah. then name calling Noah yeah he has moments of clarity yeah. And yeah, where he can communicate and this this was definitely one of them. His eye like the nurse is not expecting at all for him to interact with her in this way. You know, he does mm-hmm. the grabbing of the wrist yeah, thing that, where he's not good. <laughs> yeah, probably probably not. But um but yeah, he's not in the fugue state then. I think now that you mentioned that, I guess when he's going out and running in the streets, that's when he's the most clear headed. Because that's when he's actually trying to stop something from happening. Um, so it's almost like he's taken over hmm. by that emotion that he needs to get out there and, and stop it. Um, otherwise, he's just sitting there muttering to himself in his chair or in his bed. But yeah. then we've seen him twice now, you know, jump up and go do something. Hmm. But yeah. Well, how I, do we want to, how should we tie up, Steve? Uh... Let's see. I we always got to talk about the characters that we like the most and that we mm-hmm. like the least. But um, yeah, I think I don't think I have much else to say. We have a lot of mysteries here that we have to get through. But then again, we're always cut by our time limit. We always seem to be hitting on two hours here. <laughs> so I guess we'll we'll roll into the next episode. Um, but for our favorite and our least favorite people. Um, I'm going to let you go first, if you don't mind. Do you have you have anybody in mind who you really like or really not like in this episode? Oh, I'm going to give my MVP to Elizabeth. All right. Or Ellie. Her sister calls her Ellie. It was cute. Yeah, I like that, um, too. Yeah, we or already Elle. talked about her. I think Elle is what some people call her, too, right? Didn't I hear Charlotte call her Elle? Or am I wrong about that? Maybe, maybe. I just saw Ellie. I only saw her sister do that. But I think, you know, we already talked about her a lot. She's just an intriguing character. I like how strong she is. And she's got a lot of willpower. Yep. Well, shoot. This is the first time we agree then, because that's my MVP of this episode as well, is Elizabeth. Um, Whoop, whoop. So we got the same, I mean... It's by design. I think they made this character for us to love her because, mm-hmm. I mean, she, I don't know. How could you, I, I challenge anybody to dislike her at this point. I challenge anyone. Yeah. And she's stylish too. I like her, uh, you know, with Claudia, I was like, oh, her outfit. <laughs> it's like, Elizabeth, I like her little hat and. Yeah. Yeah. The fox. I mean, plus, you know, a fox. I mean, think about what a fox is. Like they're, you know. I haven't even thought about that. Um, I'll have to look more into foxes later. Yeah. I'm not, so, not talking about like, look, I was like, well, she's a fox. Whistle, whistle. Yeah. More like she's sneaky, that she's. Yeah. And the fo- there's foxes on the wallpaper in the oh, blue room. You're kidding. Oh, man. Great. <laughs> That's great. Okay. So she's the killer then. 
All right. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> our our favorite is also a murderer. Of Child course. murderer. <laughs> Well, who are you disliking this episode? Is anybody in particular? Did you have a hard time uh, with this one? It is hard, but I guess. Oh gosh, um, I guess I would have to give it to Peter, even though I don't really dislike him. I just, I don't, out of, it's almost like who do I dislike the least or like the least rather right. than who I, do I dislike the most. We know that he's. You know, he's not being completely honest and yeah, he's he's lying and he's got red dirt <laughs> under his nails. <laughs> By any law of any TV show or movie, I mean, he's guilty. I mean, he's so guilty that he has to be not guilty, right? I mean, this is only the first four episodes. So, I mean, he's looking so guilty that he has to be innocent. You know, that's, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the kind of the way I'm looking at it. But yeah, he. I wrote down Peter's name right here too. Peter and his crooked D can go get effed, and because <laughs> me and Lindsay don't like him in this episode. I mean, I think I could like Peter in a different context, but yeah. from what we're seeing in this episode, absolutely not. Absolutely not. He's number one. Mm-hmm. Not even Alexander could beat him this time. <laughs> That's true. Alexander's in there, but he didn't get it. We could say like the the cops standing over Ulrich, that they're a security guard. Yeah, yep. that guy looks like a jerk. <laughs> but I mean, other than, I guess the other only other thing we could do here is talk about our, you know, overall. Just like, what did you think of this episode? I don't know. I like I like the episode because I feel like it focuses on the Doppler family. But on the other hand, like I said, this is an episode where not a lot of things don't happen. You know, a lot of things, things don't wait. I feel like I'm saying (laughs) nothing much happens. Nothing much happens is what I'm trying to say, especially with Jonas. It's like, you know, like I said, he just kind of goes to the the caves (laughs) and then he's like, I can't get any further. Um but yeah, did you? What did you think about this episode compared to other episodes? Did you like this one more, or less? Well, I mean, me personally, I liked it. I liked it more because um, I kind of like those. I kind of like the quieter episodes, I like the episodes where things don't happen and like you get character moments and development, and you know you make these connections. And this is one of those episodes, and those are the types that I like. Um, you know, some people like Game of Thrones is a show I liked a lot. And I like the I like the episodes where not much happened except for people talked like the big spectacular things. Just I don't know, just too much has happened in it just doesn't hold my attention. I just kind of becomes a big blur. So I really like these small moments. I like the introduction of Elizabeth. So that made this a great episode. Mm-hmm. And I like all the different turns that we took with um, her older sister and Magnus. So, yeah. I mean, I thought this was great. It was, I mean, so far out of all the episodes, um, number one grabbed my attention the most. And then the third episode in 1986 was the most fun episode, I would say. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know if I could rank th- rank this as like, I liked it better than all the other ones, but I'll, I like the development of it. So I'll just say that that's a win for me. Yeah. I mean, I, I tend to like episodes like this too. I think... 
what could hurt it somebody could feel like man it was so interesting the 1986 was sort of that was a big deal right because we mm-hmm. entered the time travel and saw Mickle and found out where he was and saw the other characters so this episode could seem a little less interesting but I sure, do think sure. we got to know some of the characters a little better than we did before most notably probably Elizabeth and Francisca. But it, a lot of it's about the Doppler family, and and that's fine. It doesn't always have to have everybody. But yeah, the quiz was excellent. If you want to give me more quizzes anytime, please do so. Um, mm-hmm. I guess we better ramp down because we're getting ready to hit the two-hour yes. mark now. Um, last time I forgot to tell people to write us in at sweetchildoftimepod at gmail.com if you'd like to, or hit us up on social media. Me and Lindsay are both there. One of my stories is Lindsay. That's the number one of my stories. And Intra Void is me or Sweet Child of Time is me. Um, Yeah, get in touch with us. Let us know what you think about anything or just keep listening. I appreciate the listens. I like that. I'll let you know, Lindsay, that most of our listeners listen to the entire episode. So that's a big win for us. Wow. (laughs) Thanks, guys. I hate when I see that somebody popped in, listened for one minute, and then turned it off. I'm like, oh, they hated us. (laughs) What did we say? (laughs) Yeah, really. (laughs) But yeah, I'm going to wind down, Lindsay. Anything you got to say before we get off the air here? No, it's been a fun episode, as usual. Yes, it has been. And I guess until next week, until we watch episode five, hope you always find some water and shade, Lindsay. Steve, I hope you find water and shade and a red cord on your preferred mode of transportation. (laughs) And to you, Lindsay. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye.